Welcome back to the podcast where we prod God's sheep and beat the wolf. This is episode 64, Pride Flags and Power Plays. Introduction, Star-Spangled Patriotism. In the heat of the night, as cannons boomed and the air crackled with tension, Fort McHenry stood resolute against an onslaught that threatened to engulf the fort. The Battle of Baltimore, an inferno of chaos and valor, surged through the darkness during the War of 1812. In this epic clash, the fate of a young nation hung precariously in the balance, with the stars and stripes of the American flag flying rebelliously overhead, serving as a beacon of hope amidst the tempest of war. Now, as the British fleet arrived and unleashed its fury upon Fort McHenry, the relentless bombardment shattered the tranquility of the Baltimore sky, thundering cannonballs screamed through the air, painting the horizon with the fiery trails of destruction. Yet, as the explosions rent the air and as the buildings began to crumble, the defenders clung to their resolve with their spirits unwavering. Amidst the pandemonium of all of this, a colossal American flag was billowing defiantly in the face of peril soaring high above that fort that morning. With each gust of wind unfurling its stars and stripes, it was a sight that ignited the hearts of the defenders at every fateful flashing of light. It symbolized their unyielding determination and an emblem of their unwavering love for their country and their land. And as the British bombardment continued to intensify, fury was unleashed upon McHenry's walls all throughout the night. Explosions jolted like volcanic eruptions, devouring the night with smoke and flame. And the defenders, though few, not only held their ground, but they also held up that flag defiantly through every blast that, to keep it from falling. Direct hit after direct hit upon the flagpole, they kept it upright, and they ensured that that flag remained intact. Hour after hour, the shells fell upon the heads of the poor souls who were defending it and upon the flag itself, killing American patriots left and right, damaging the flag, leaving it tattered and torn, but it and painting the dampened soil like rubies, from the loss of blood from American soldiers. The earth was shaking beneath their feet all night long, and the deafening roar of the cannons reverberated through their bones. But yet, by dawn's early light, and by twilight's last gleaming, what the men of Fort McHenry beheld as the smoke and ash began to clear was far brighter than the rocket's red glare and the British bombs that were bursting in air. What they beheld was proof through the night that our flag withstood the pressures and was still there. Still there through the bitter onslaught, still waving though hell had been unleashed upon it, yet through though tattered and torn, it stood proudly, defiantly, streaming and screaming at the English Navy that America would not be moved. The sight of that American flag still waving triumphantly above the above them was a powerful symbol of American resolve and it inspired those soldiers 
to stand with pride and to fight with valor so that their hearts swelled up and their bodies fueled with an instant bath of adrenaline. And those heroic American soldiers, though every single odd be against them, defended their fort. They won that particular battle and they eventually went on to win the war. Flags and declarations of war. To comprehend the profound willingness that these American troops had to sacrifice their lives in defense of a mere piece of colored fabric, it's imperative to delve into the intrinsic essence of what a flag is and what a flag means. These emblems were not intricately woven to serve as mere decorations or museum relics. Instead, flags embody the very heart of a nation's national sovereignty. When the British beheld the resolute flag that was fluttering defiantly on that morning harbor breeze, it was not the robust fabric that impressed them, and it was not the stitching that left them immobile, but rather the damning symbolism that that flag represented. As the flag soared proudly overhead, the British army came to the realization that America was the embodiment of resilience. They were refusing to, def to fade silently into oblivion like the flag that was held aloft in front of them. And that banner symbolized America's undying spirit and unyielding dominion that could not be overcome. This is precisely that symbolism why every invading army endeavors to establish its own flag on conquered territory. Why? Because planting the flag symbolizes a shift in the power dynamics, a rise of a new ruling nation, the ultimate demise of the former regime and the coming of a new one. That's why Britain wanted to take down our flag. That's why the iconic sight of the Marines hoisting old glory amid a battlefield or battle-scarred landscape of Iwo Jima epitomized the irrevocable defeat of the Japanese Imperial Army. In the same way, that's why the Soviets marched into Berlin and triumphantly displayed their hammer and sickle above Berlin's Reichstag, symbolizing that Nazi and Hitler's tyrannical reign was over. When a nation plants a flag firmly into the ground, it is either declaring war or declaring dominion. It is openly and audaciously proclaiming its dominance over the soil that that flag touches. It's screaming, we are the ones that are in charge here. It's heralding that our power and our might will reign supreme on this ground, on this soil. And if you don't like that, then grab your guns and try to take our flag away from us. That is how a flag functions. And that's precisely why. The American flag flies proudly over every government building because America reigns there. That's why it flies over our ports and over homes across this country and over military installations and over embassies worldwide because American power and influence reigns under every shadow that that flag casts. To put an end to the United States of America, you must wrestle every single flag off every single pole and successfully plant your own before we kill you. That is precisely why the American flag is a symbol of our dominance, and that is precisely also why the rainbow-colored flag of deviance and defiance must 
come to a bitter end. And in Christ, it will. A nation ruled by pride. While our forefathers bled and died to keep the star-spangled banner flying high and to repel the trespassing of the Union Jack from slithering up our flagpole, a new flag has been surreptitiously and seditiously added in recent years. For instance, on houses all across this country, homeowners of all moral stripes now brazenly adorn their abode with the garish rainbow-colored monstrosity called the pride flag as if to assert that America has fallen and now pride and moral turptitude reign in its place. To fly the pride flag is to say that that pride reigns, pride has dominion, pride is the government of this nation. It goes beyond that, though. Even the stalwart guardians of law and order, the ones who should know better, our esteemed police officers, many police departments all across the country have forsaken the traditional black and blue in favor of gay rainbows, reminding all law-abiding citizens that moral deviancy is now the rule of law in our towns. To fly the flag is to assert its dominion. Now, regrettably, this trend is not confined to the local spheres of neighborhoods and communities alone. Since 2012, under the Obama administration, American embassies scattered across the globe have now relinquished the proud banner of red, white, and blue and shamelessly embraced the, fl the flag of pride, a testament to our nation's defeat at every single one of those embassies and a damning renouncement of our allegiance to God. Every embassy that flies the pride flag is saying America is dead, pride is king. In recent years, even the highest echelons of power under the guise of Biden's despotic military regime have callously revoked a previous Pompeo ban, now allowing government buildings, if they so choose, to forsake our national symbol of sovereignty in favor of a flag depicting the invasion of demonic terrorism. Put simply, government buildings all across, across this country can hoist the flag of pride, saying pride is now king. A church ruled by compromise and cowardice. Yet even all of this pales in comparison to the abhorrence that I feel when I witness the godless flag hanging over so-called churches. These now demonic houses of worship were meant to be sacred sanctuaries where the worship of our magnificent and triune God would go out and go forth unto the nations. But now they've become synagogues of Satan, decorating their battered lampstands with the technicolored pixels of rebellion and damnation. They have indeed compromised. They have indeed capitulated and they will bow down and kneel down to whatever golden rainbow-colored statue that the society puts in front of them. Those churches are lost. And our prayer is that they would shut down so that their damnable message would be silenced and that faithful churches buy their buildings. But there's still many other churches, maybe even the majority at this point, who've taken the glim path of pure cowardice, 
hiding from culture. Behind the sanguine smiles and awkward winsomeness that the Gospel Coalition is so well known for, unwilling to take a stand for anything which makes them primed to fall for everything. Is it any wonder that our national morality stinks like rotten flesh? Is it any wonder that we have an entire month dedicated to the kind of sensuality and debauchery that would make that affectionate Uncle Screwtape squeal with devilish delight, and we only have one day to honor our veterans who serve faithfully in this country? An entire month dedicated to the demon of pride, and yet one day for those who served red, white, and blue. A travesty is what this is. Our nation has forgotten its symbol of God-ordained Romans 13-installed power, might, and national sovereignty. And likewise, but even worse, many churches have forgotten who has the ultimate authority, ultimate sovereignty, and maximal supremacy over all things, which has emboldened the wicked in their crimes against our God. Today, if you do not bow down and virtue signal to whatever God this deranged society puts before you, you will be driven from polite society, canceled, and maybe arrested for hate speech. And unfortunately, amid all of this insanity, many in the church have either gleefully bowed their knee in worship to the rainbow-colored calf, or they have shamefully bowed their head in cowardice, refusing to speak letting well enough alone, minding their own business while the world burns down right in front of their very eyes. Both of those situations, the morally compromised church and the cowardice church must repent. A call to wake up. When you look around today at how flagrantly immoral this country has become, you must recognize that this was by design. Enemies do not attack without a goal of conquering. And that is the goal of the LGBTQ movement to conquer the chapel of Western civilization and to turn it into a brothel of rebellion. When you look around and you see how flagrantly immoral this country has become, you must recognize that it is by design. Just as the British armies encamped in Baltimore's harbor and leveled round after round after round upon the Yanks, so too the LGBT community has lobbed rocket after rocket, bomb after glitter bomb upon the moral landscape of this nation. And they will not be satisfied until every man, woman, and child bow down and participate in their perversion. And we... Dear Christian, must not be satisfied like our American forefathers to go quietly into the night. Today is the day for us to open up our eyes and to see that an uninvolved and aloof church is not working. Winsomeness is not winning anyone. Sugar and spice Christianity has been effective at absolutely nothing save allowing evil to fester during our moment of extraordinary negligence. The living Christ has called us to be salt in a decaying world. So let me ask you, where are the salty ones? Where are they? 
Again, we're commanded to bring light of the gospel where darkness is still reigning. But where are the ones who radiate the blinding light of Jesus Christ and his gospel? A light so brilliant and so intense and and so royal that, that darkness shudders and it must flee from them. Where are the light bearers? We are told to advance and to watch the gates of hell come tumbling down in abject terror. Where are those advancing men? Where are those churches? Where is the sulfuric stench of piled up gates from hell lying somewhere where a church is faithfully advancing? Because the Bible says that the gates will fall down if we will just advance. Why are we not advancing? Jesus Christ has called us to be people of the truth. Why are we not heralding and booming and echoing and shouting truth? In love, of course, yes, but actually doing it and not being silent and afraid of it. Jesus Christ has called us to plant his flag of the gospel dominion among every tribe, among every tongue, and among every nation, and among every people to to cover the world with the banner of his glory so that under the shadow of that gospel, that all flesh will realize that Christ is king, that he reigns like the waters cover the sea, that his government has advanced, his rule and his reign, his matchless authority is over every last creature called by God, converted by the gospel. That's what we're laboring for. We're laboring to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Where are the kingdom builders? Where are the evangelists? Where are the disciple makers? Where are the ones who are willing to give everything up, lose their life in order to follow Christ? He's not given us the option to compromise or to cower. But on the contrary, he's given us orders to go and to make disciples of all the wayward nations under every kind of pitiful demonic power and secular banner so that they will be delivered into the kingdom of the only sovereign Lord of glory. If that is our commission and dear ones, it is, will we do it? Will we step into it? Will we do it boldly, lovingly, joyfully, courageously, and publicly. Our nation is under attack right now. The pride flag is flying as boldly as the American flag once flew in Baltimore Harbor. And the American people who were once known for their valor are now impotent and apathetic and ready to lay down and die for nothing. But the church of Jesus Christ must stand. She must stand. And she shall reign until all of Jesus's enemies have been made a footstool for his feet. The only question that you must wrestle with today is, will you be the one who fights and builds his kingdom as America burns to the ground? Or will you be the one who compromises, cowers, and capitulates? You will stand before God on the choice that you make to that question. God bless you. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. This is a weekly show, or at least we try to make it as weekly as we possibly can, where I'm really trying to encourage the saints. We are in a battle right now. We are fighting a war that cannot be won by burying our heads in the sand. 
For 40 to 50 years, the church has basically buried its head in the sand and said, if we pretend that all of this is not there, then maybe it will go away. It's not going away. If anything, it's going to continue to get worse and advance in this nation until Christians have the courage and the boldness to stand up for Christ. That is the question that I'm wrestling with every single week from a variety of different angles. Now, we're in Pride Month right now, and we're talking about things from that perspective. But every week, I want to challenge you to live up to the gospel calling that Christ has given you so that you'll live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that at the end of your life, you will stand before King Jesus and you will have many crowns and many trophies and many, many things that you have earned to lay down at King Jesus's feet. If I can help it, I don't want any Christian to enter heaven empty handed. I don't want any Christian to enter by the skin of their teeth. I want you to enter into the presence of Christ with crowns and jewels to lay before Jesus's feet to honor and glorify him. If you like what you're hearing in the show and that it's encouraging to you, share it with someone, subscribe to it, help us get it out to as many people as possible. And until next time, God bless you.